Welcome back, Ram fans. This is Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. We are proud members of the Fans First Sports Network. That's fansfirstsports.com. You can also follow us on YouTube. Our channel is at L.A. Rams Up. I'm your host, Mark. You'll hear from my co-host, Tom, on occasion as well. Hey, we're not Rams insiders. We're just longtime fans who love talking about our Los Angeles Rams. Let's get to it. Hey, Rams fans. Welcome back to another edition of Rams Up Podcast. This uh, episode, we have another roundtable welcoming back Ian and Paul. It, uh, back by popular demand after last week and uh, got more to say after that Eagles game. So we're looking forward to that. And um, yeah, so let's dive right in. How you doing, Ian? How you doing, Paul? Doing good, gentlemen. Good to talk some Rams football. And I got a lot. Of, I got a lot of stuff to say. <laughs> <laughs> doing, doing fantastic. Always ready to lock horns. So uh, let's do it. Yeah, good stuff. So let's just dive right in. Let's talk about that Eagles game. What are your takeaways and uh, um, what kind of trends did you see uh, continuing that you liked and didn't like from, uh, you know, so far in the season? And then what, um, you know, what what kind of trends or maybe new things did you see that you liked and didn't like? Go ahead, Ian. Yeah, gentlemen, I was there at the game this past Sunday in person. And um, there's things I want to get into, but we can save those non-football things for later. Uh, but Great weather, great atmosphere. A lot of people thought, including myself, that it was going to be pretty burning hot, especially because out here in L.A. was a hot week leading up to Sunday. So it was a great day for football. And man, oh, man, what a game it started out to be. I knew based off Philly's wishy-washy secondary that we would have a chance to win this game, no matter how good Jalen no matter how good the offense overall, O-line, and we can get in specifics with them as a group, how good they are, we were going to have a chance in this game because their defense, despite being a top-five unit last year, this year, with a lot of the same players, has not been that way. So I felt pretty good going into the game, walking into the stadium with Rams friends and Eagles friends. And a lot of my Eagles uh, friends, they were nervous. They were like... Dude, we're probably going to lose today. Our secondary sucks. And I felt good about that, hearing it from them, talking with other Eagles fans just casually, at tail, you know, tailgating inside the stadium, outside. They were worried, and I felt good. And I felt even better hearing that from them. Now, when the game started to progress and they scored first, I was like, dang it, we're really going to have a rough day, aren't we? And then we got the ball, and then we slammed it in, making it look easy. And I was like, Oh, we're going to have a ball game. And then dwindling off into the second half of the abyss that the Rams offense has been in. <laughs> things just nosedived. And I was sad <laughs> because, Paul, you've called this out, dude. This is a trend, a terrible, terrible trend that has been going on. And it's been something I hoped would get better but through a month and some change you know a quarter and some change of this marathon called rams football 2023 it's ugly it is so bad and those are my quick initial thoughts uh, go ahead paul and then we can get into specifics of how i feel right. and how you feel about that and other things 
I take it you're referring to the end of the first half, how they closed out the last 40 seconds. Um, you know, yeah, it, it was, it's true. We I just, just can't believe it, Paul. But just... We had just talked about it on, the, on our podcast, right? We had said that, hey, look, on that segment, you know, we said one of the trends that I was, like, noticing, and you started with the San Francisco game, right? You started the San Francisco game. Same thing happened again. And and that really took away the momentum. Even Aaron Donald – so Aaron Donald made a public comment about it, uh, how they closed it out at that. He said it's totally unacceptable that it can't happen again, quote, unquote. You know, that's basically what he said. Um, And he's right. Like, he couldn't. And, you know, theoretically can't even happen. How was that even possible? You know, Darion Kendrick just, you know, at that point, you know, he was like in complete, like, I don't know where he was. I mean, um, the collar tacked on in terms of letting that player get behind him um, is just doesn't make sense on any level. But it really stole the momentum from the Rams. And if you look at the score at that point, you know, the Rams would have gone to the half of the lead. It was a big shift. It was a huge yeah. momentum shift, and the Rams never recovered. They got blanked in the second half, right? And I really believe a lot of that was the momentum just, you know, it was lost, and they could never, like, re-seize it. They really struggled in the second half. You know, we the other thing that I saw that, you know, was the tackling. The tackling was atrocious. Right. And Jalen Hurts was able to sort of exploit that a couple of times and get clutch third downs. And, you know, the third thing was I said the T.O.P. was absolutely crucial for the Rams. And if you look at the T.O.P. from that game, it was completely lopsided by over 14 minutes. Right. We we knew the Eagles loved to hold on to the ball and the Rams just – They could not get off the field on third down, and they could not convert on third down. And it was just an absolute recipe for disaster. When the Rams have done well, the T.O.P. has been in their favor, right? That plays well for the defense. It keeps the defense fresh, keeps them off the field. The longer the Rams' defense is on the field, they're going to get exploited. And that's exactly what happened. And um, those are the three things. The three things we said could not happen happened. And it cost the Rams a game. And it was a very winnable game. And I, you know, and I know uh, jumping ahead a little bit, but, you know, for Ram Nation out there, if you look at the Ram games that have been played thus far, the Rams were in every game and against some really good teams, right? You got the Niners, you get, uh, they were right there with the Eagles. Take away that seven points, it's a totally different game. You're looking at it, right? You're looking at a totally different game so I it's mean, a, paul it's just it's, it's insane how this keeps happening dude the end of halves things just collapse it's yeah. really i think it's i watched the film everybody out there all 22 is really the tell of all tales not your highlights you see on youtube not re-watching the game broadcast on youtube or on your nfl plus or youtube tv none of that <laughs> if you have access to the all 22 that shows the big picture of what's going on and i just think I think the moment of let's hold them, I think it's sometimes it, it just based on film, it just feels like Russ Kendrick, a lot of these young cats who are now in these big games, I feel like they just get stage fright. I think that's really the only yeah. way to describe it. That's really it. Because yeah. these same concepts, whether it's cover three, cover two, match zone in those, 
classic zone, you're doing combo coverage, quarters with man, whatever it is, they can execute it. The film was out there. They can do it at a really high level, those two young guys and Kobe Durant. It's just right. in these big moments, they're just – it's stage fright. I really don't know what else to say because they just – it looks like they're just having a a mental lapse. I don't know how else to describe it, which is shocking based – you know, Coach McVay's teams traditionally do well in these important situations. And, yes, they are young players. It's their first real serious – all the way starting action, right? We know Kendrick started games last year. We know Russ got a lot of uh, Russ. He's got a lot of playing time, but it just them two specifically in this game. It just seems like in moments they just had mental lapses. That's really it. And if I remember correctly, I think Raheem Morris said something like that this week as well. And I thought that before even hearing his comments in his weekly press conference. So I think, hey gentlemen, hey Rams players, settle down. You can do these concepts like the back of your hand. We've you've put out great film. You just gotta chill out. Just because AJ Brown's there, you got it. Just because Devontae Smith is there, you got it. So I think that could be corrected with confidence in the situation. Obviously, confidence is low because they've blown it a couple of times against big opponents. But I just think I'm in that that sucks, but I'm also on the other side of the coin. I am encouraged because who would have thought that they'd be holding this Eagles offense to, you know, under 30 points. Let's keep, let's just be real. A top five O line hall of famers, potentially in Kelsey and others on that group. Mm -hmm. The, one of the best duos of receiver group in the league, you know, Devonte and AJ Dallas Goddard's a top 10 tight end. It's like, geez, you know, uh, Swift is running like his hair is on fire. All of a sudden <laughs> right. he can stay healthy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a great it's a it's a perfect blend of, damn, we're gonna get bodied today on defense, and we held up okay, and we've held up pretty solid, other than these mental lapses that I'm talking about. So, so yeah, if we just just move ahead to so we talked about the end of the first half was Darian Kendrick was sort of a a uh, you know re picture replay of the 49er game with a a long uh, pass um, give up and then a, a pass interference and then leading to a score and then. But the real, I mean, that it does it does put a dent in, you know, bringing that momentum, like you said, Paul. But the real issue is is the second half, right? It's it's for, for whatever reason the Rams come out, the Rams offense in particular comes out playing extremely well in the first half, and then just disappears in the second half. So what do you what do you guys attribute that to? Is it do you guys feel like it's scheme or the other, the other team making adjustments? Um, is it players not executing? What, what do you attribute the kind of the second half woes that the Rams have uh, have shown so far so this season? Go ahead, well, Paul. I I think I think it's a couple of things. So I think uh, expanding on what Ian was mentioning. So I think the concept of football IQ is really really important, right? Especially when you play young players, you, that having that mix, even if it's a couple of guys, right? I mean, think about that. A lot of people. You know, think about the two acquisitions, right? Witherspoon, a lot of people were not talking about when the Rams picked him up, right? And, you know, Mark uh, Mark and Tom and, and I, when that happened, we said, oh, this guy, you know. But, you know, look at the impact he's made. So you need to sprinkle in some veteran guys really to help with the younger guys and raise that football IQ. Here's the other issue with that is that, when you don't have a lot of depth, if you go down the depth chart and you don't have a lot of depth, you do not have the luxury of saying, okay, you know, this, this cat's not performing, 
you know, or you don't have anybody nipping at their heels. So there comes sometimes it gets a sense of complacency. Uh, and I think Kendrick is a great example. I think the NFL, the listen, everybody watches film, right? These guys are this is what they do for a living, these coaches. They know what his limitations are. And you saw that. You saw that right after that penalty, that very next play. What did they do? They called a pass play. They went right after him again and threw the ball right in front of him. And he got called for a penalty, right? In man coverage, Kendrick really, really struggles. In zone coverage, he does a lot better. But in man coverage, when he's isolated, he really, really struggles. And I think that's part of the issue also in the second half. The Ram tendencies, if you want to call them McVay tendencies, whatever you want to say, the Ram tendencies are pretty apparent at this point, and teams can adapt to them very, very quickly. So when the Rams make themselves one-dimensional by once again, not running the ball, it is not coincidental that the same number of carries in this game, same number of carries in the Cincy game, 14 and 14 rushing attempts, ended up in both waves with a loss. So... When you don't run the ball and you make yourself one-dimensional against a good team, you're going to lose. You're going to lose because the odds are not in your favor. You've got to keep the odds in your favor. You know, this team, and I said it last week, if you look at what they have, whether it's by design or not, it does not matter, right, Tom or Ian? Look at what they have. You have an O-line that is built for, whether you wanted it this way or not, right now they are built for run blocking. You have three very good run-blocking wide receivers. You have a good run-blocking tight end. What are you doing? You are not utilizing your personnel, maximizing their potential. It doesn't matter how you win, just win. I know. And that's the point is what is costing Rams game after game after game. Paul, this is a stat that uh, the great Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic, who does a fantastic job with their articles and podcasts of Rams football and everything keeping us in the loop of the behind the scenes that we don't know or don't get to see. And she has, you know, a group of people at The Athletic who could pull up really crazy stats. Mm -hmm. And this stat isn't crazy in the sense of of uh, figuring it out and placing it on a, on a sheet and understanding it. But this stat is crazy in the sense that when the Rams are up seven points in the McVay era, they run it the sixth most in this McVay era span, which is tied with Kyle Shanahan's San Francisco 49ers. Sixth most in the league. Right. When we're up seven or more. When we're under seven points with a lead, McVay runs it third worst in that span third worst out of 32 teams we're bottom of the barrel right it's it's in the stats are out there the data's out there it's out on film fans can see it coaches obviously see it and to that point with running the ball and all that defenses are teeing off so easily now with our passing concepts philly was getting shredded and we probably still could have hit some things and we'll get to that on the offense, passes Stafford missed. But, guys, in the film that I saw in the second half, what did Philly do differently? They started doing what the Rams do, match zone. And for those out there, real quick, who don't know what match zone is, it's basically no matter what coverage you're running, 
when a receiver runs into your zone that you're responsible for, you have to attack them like it's man immediately and be disciplined. It's not easy. Rams have done it well in spots. A lot of teams have, but it's hard. Eagles said, okay, when you start to motion Rams, when you're in these tight formations, when you're in these bunches, hey, Darius Slay, hey, Bradbury, hey, everybody else in this defense, communicate, make sure everybody's on the same page before that ball is like, and they were talking 24-7 and handling our schematics of pass plays, whatever concept you want to throw, you know, shallow crosses, ins and outs, whatever mesh points, whatever you want to name. They handled it and read it beautifully. And how can you do that when you don't run the ball and they don't think you're going to run the ball? So they're just going to run the same exact concept on defense over and over and over again because they don't have to change it up because you're not running the ball. And even with that, the yeah. even with that, the Rams were still in it, and there was uh, two huge misses in oh. the passing game, right? The miss to 2-2, and to be fair – Stafford had a very narrow window, uh, seemingly, and he also was under pressure. So, um, and Tutu's not the you know the biggest target where you can throw it up high like that and expect him to go get it like some of our other receivers. So, yeah, um, yeah Tom, it, real quick, here's another stat that I just yeah. you just oh, sure. you said that right now about pressure on Stafford. So, not only were the Eagles doing this match zone really, really well and basically shredding everything we wanted to do in the passing game. They started to blitz a little bit more, send five or more. And Stafford, this whole season, when he's kept clean, is the fourth best quarterback in the NFL based on all metrics. When he's pressured, and unfortunately, when the pressure gets home, it gets home, guys. Let's be real. Rams O-line has not picked up blitzes very well, whether that's calls being missed, whether that's backups being in, whether that's Kyron. It's been okay at times, but overall hasn't been great. But when pressure gets home, Stafford nose dives, nose dives all the way down to a bottom five quarterback. Right. You it's, know, it's, it's it, listen, the bottom line is Stafford's a pocket passer. You got to keep the pocket clean. All right. And I think that stat speaks directly to that. You have a great pocket passer that if you give him time, right. And I, if you, so if you look at the stats from the game, 23 targets converted to 15 receptions between Cooper Cup and Nakua. I, from what, in my opinion, they were shredding the Eagles. They oh, definitely, yeah. could, they definitely could have fed both of them. But here's what happens: when you get into that single-dimensional way of thinking, you make it easy for the defense. It wasn't a matter of proficiency for the Rams in that game. It was efficiency. They became an inefficient offense in the second half they definitely had the firepower well, you saw that right so we saw the miss with to atwell the the flag route to cup when cup went one way and, and uh, stafford was expecting all right that happens right cup hasn't played right so that connection was is not as tight as it probably could have been but what happens is in that scenario your offense is not clicking we said this in the last game when you don't have the momentum, you don't have the rhythm, you gotta call those checkdowns. You gotta call that seam route to Higby. You gotta call that screen. You gotta get those easy completions, get your guys rolling again, get Stafford in rhythm. And that's what he is. He's like a great pitcher. You gotta keep him in rhythm. And when he's out of rhythm, what do you do? What are you doing, baseball? 
just to leave football for a second, what do you do? We got the baseball playoffs, and um, I, I will be wearing my fire Dave Roberts T-shirt for the rest of the year. But um, what do you do? You take a walk out to the mound. You say, all right, next two pitches. You call the pitcher's best pitches nice and easy, boom, 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 and you get them back into a rhythm. It's the same thing, right? And what happens is when Stafford gets out of rhythm, McVeigh keeps calling those throw it downfield, right? Leaving him open to hit. You can't do that. You really can't do that. And I think part of it is Stafford's, you know, he knows if I get hit the wrong way, I'm out for the season. Right. So that's yes. when he starts chucking it up there. And you can't fault him for that. But there was a very winnable game. And the game management part of it, we cannot keep giving Sean McVeigh a pass on that. The game, it's the game management part of it. You have to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. And that's something that, for whatever reason, has evaded him. And I go back to the Wade Phillips scenario when it was a big bonus to have Wade Phillips on that team. McVay was focused, dialed in only on offense, right? He didn't even worry about defense. He used to say it openly I don't worry about the defense. I leave it to Coach Wade. Wade knows what he's doing. Um, he has confidence in Raheem Morris. And when he has that confidence, um, I think McVeigh is a better play, uh, better coach. But when he gets involved in a lot of other things going on in the game, you can just see it. The everything starts to unravel slowly. And I, I really think he, I think he misses, I think he misses Kevin O'Connell more than people realize. Oh, well, hundred percent. That was a steadying influence on that offense, and it was said in the Bengals Super Bowl they knew McVeigh would stop running the ball. They told the Bengals defense, keep doing this, keep doing this. He will stop running the ball. And that's what happened. Yeah. It's almost like, yeah. it's almost like, you know, the, there was the drought with the, you know, the cam Akers, you know, he, he came out of the box. Well, after the, you know, after Gurley went down, the running game has never been the same, right? Yeah. We just never been able to recover the, the running game. Thought cam would be the guy and he wasn't um, and just never really been able to find that guy. And it's like, you know, and obviously McVeigh had to adjust to his personnel. And to be fair, he did so and won won a Super Bowl without running the ball, essentially, for the entire year, including the postseason. And um, so that was fair enough. But uh, it, it feel like that was a little bit of, um, of you know, just sort of kind of the forbidden fruit, like tasting it and saying, oh, wow, this is good. I can revolutionize I the can NFL. We don't, we, don't yeah. need to, we don't need to run the ball, right? Yeah. And, and so forth. Every now and then it's a – and uh, as a token, just to show them we can, and then we'll uh, and then we'll abandon it. And that seems like what's happening. What's interesting is, and, you know, you mentioned Jordan Rodriguez, and she was talking about how with uh, Cup coming back after Puka's, you know, playing the Cup role, um, you know, and Puka now kind of going into the old Woods role, and how that that will really open things up uh, in the on the in the passing game there. Um, and then Kyron's running the ball well. And so really, you know, she was sort of talking about, hey, maybe we'll have this sort of this this uh, throwback to the 17-18, you know, seasons, 19 exactly. seasons. And, and we can put this offense, put Humpty Dumpty back together again with, with you know, a, a multiple balanced attack. And um, and because we, we have the personnel now. And like you said, we have finally have an offensive line that, you know, weighs over each of them weigh over 300 pounds for the first time since then. And uh, they can, you know, show them that they can uh, run block. So that's what I think we're looking for. And for whatever reason, he, he, I feel like he's, like you said, he's kind of got into this, you know, the last couple of years, this habit of just of, of sort of showing a token run 
commitment and then abandoning it if he gets behind at all, as Ian pointed out in terms of the stats. So, um, yeah, very in interesting, uh, interesting scenario. Just aside from scheme, guys, is there, you know, we talked about Darian Kendrick, Akella Weatherspoon's balling out, as we know. The offensive line is doing a good job on the on the uh, on the run blocking and and okay on the pass blocking. It looks like they're all back healthy this week. Um, who else have, have you guys noticed? I mean, obviously, you know, everyone knows Puka and so forth. But who else? Who are some guys on the defensive side or the offensive side of the ball that have jumped off the page at you in a very in a positive way, um, a very unexpected, or in a negative way, very unexpected? Can I go first, Paul? I have two. I have yeah, one. That I need. Yeah, dude. When is when are people going to realize, other than Rams fans, that Akilah Witherspoon is a top five corner this year? Top five. And I don't have all the stats in front of me. He's top ten in pretty much everything that I've been reading since the beginning of the season. His technique is a plus. His his eyes. Or A plus. What I mean by eyes, everybody out there, is that on certain times you can see when a player, especially in the secondary, is getting caught up looking at other things. He's very disciplined with his assignment. If it's zone, he's all in on his area, not even to bother really looking at the quarterback. He's all in on his zone, which is hard to do. It's hard not to not to get pride into watching what the quarterback is looking because sometimes that can lead you to turnovers, maybe a tackle sooner. Or making a big play, right? He is so disciplined to his area in zone, in match zone, in man coverage, guarding receivers. It is beautiful. Is he the fastest corner? No. Is he strong corner? No. Is he the biggest? No. But dude's technique is A plus. His football IQ is A plus through these five weeks. It's incredible. Incredible. We got him for a veteran uh, minimum. Incredible. Yep, over from the, from best the, signing, the, best signing in a long time for the rent. Let's just be honest. For him to play years. that well on a vet minimum, I just can't believe it. And I'm happy that he's on our team because wow. Years, uh, draft pick and then went to the cat let go and went to the Steelers. And then uh and then here we are. So um so Paul, who's who's somebody that jumps off the page at you in in a positive way? In a positive way, I'm I'm going to say somebody that I think down the road is going to get a lot of burn. I think Zach Van Valkenburg really impressed me. The last couple of weeks, I mean, he's not getting a lot of playing time, but when he's out there, he shows that physicality. Had a couple of really great plays against the Eagles. Um, I think he would be um, – because on the other side of that, I mean, Hoyt hasn't really generated much of a pass rush. Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think they're learning that he's not a strong side player. He's got to play the backside where he can just come off the ball and pressure. And Paul, pressure. real quick, and Paul, real quick, not to interrupt you. Can can we stop asking a former D lineman to man coverage tight ends? What are we doing? Dude? <laughs> that was a bad call. That was a bad match. It's happened multiple weeks. And I'm just like, and speaking of schematics, I'll just end it on this teams on offense, just like how teams on defense are figuring out the Ram schematics and how to handle it. Teams are figuring out, Hey, when you're in this certain look, Michael Hoyt's going to be lined up with a tight end. We're going to throw it that way. It's a, it's an issue. Yeah. And I'll just end it on that. So you can continue. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I gotta tell you, I mean, you know, we talked about it last week too, right? We said Ernest Jones balling out continues to ball out. Um, you know, yep. the Rams pass rush was non-existent against the Eagles. It's yeah. that simple. It was non-existent against the Eagles. And what happened? They couldn't get off the field. 
They couldn't get off the field. And that T.O.P. is, is reflective. They could not get off the field on third down. So I, I like what I see from him uh, defensively. I, I like what I see from Ernest Jones. Oh, I offensively, love Ernest Jones. Yeah, I just offensively, I love the way this – I know Nopum's going to be out again, but I love the way this O-line is gelling. I think by week eight, you're going to see them get even better, which is great news, right? Um, they did – I mean, the, you know, what can we say? We talked about Dotson last week, right? Kevin I mean, had a great game this last – I was going to name him if you weren't going to name him. Yeah, so, I mean, you talk about a guy coming off the bench and just playing a great game, and they needed him to play a great game. It was like they, they were desperate to have him play a great game. So – um I mean, I think the O line as a whole. I'll call out the whole O line. I really, I really like what they've done. I think they're gelling. I think they're going to get better. And I, I think Stafford is happy um, to throw behind them. He has a lot more confidence than people realize in this particular O line. Um, so, I think um, another player. I mean, I mean, disappointment wise, we talked about it last week. Ian, look what happened. Van Jeff got traded. We said it right. I- yeah, he was hurting. The, it was hurting the Rams when he was out there. The defense didn't have to respect him, and that's what happened. Yeah. You know, the Eagles secondary. Everybody was saying it all week. You were right. It, we, you know, everybody knew it. They were there for the taking, but they made it easy for the Eagles secondary to play defense. That's what happened in the second half. An exploitable secondary was given. Hey, look. You can do X, Y, and Z, and we're not going to be able to exploit you because we're not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. So this yeah. is what happens. Um, another player, I just – Kyron Williams. I mean, we have the potential from a play-action standpoint to really take that offense to a whole new level of efficiency, right? That third-down efficiency, and I said it last week, the Rams have to improve their third-down efficiency. If they do that, they will hold on to the ball. They will churn out first downs and listen. Let Cup and Puka touch the ball. What's going to happen? Eventually, those are going to turn into six points. That's a simple recipe. But when teams start to clamp down on those two, you have to be able to deliver the knockout blow with a Tyler Higby, with a 2-2 Atwell, with a Kyron Williams out of the backfield. Right? You have to be able to do that so teams have to play you honest. In a one-on-one situation, no one's stopping Cup. I hate to break the news to the NFL. In a one-on-one situation, nobody's stopping Puka. Yeah. But the idea is you got to keep those guys in one-on-one situations. And the only way to do that is you got to have you have to have a third and fourth weapon that you can use on a consistent basis to keep defenses honest. And that's what Philadelphia dared the Rams to do. They couldn't do it. They couldn't find that third and fourth weapon to keep that defense honest. Hey, what do you guys think about the, uh, the, uh, you know, we like these players. <laughs> I mean, I love these young players. I mean, you know, you, like you mentioned yeast and, and Durant and so forth, but these guys are not the biggest guys, right? Neither of those guys yeah. are the biggest guys. They're, they're, you know, talented, they're quick. Um, you know, yeast is tough and, and, you know, so is Durant, but, but I mean, they're, they're, they're flying into, you know, these tackles as if they're, you know, just going to just knock these guys over and they're bouncing off of receivers and running backs and tight ends. And it's so frustrating for Rams fans. If, 
if they would uh, if they would just wrap up, it we, we could have gotten off the field so many times. And um, I mean, it, we the Rams have talked so much about coaching these young players up and development and so forth. Yet in the pressers, I haven't heard one coach mention it. Like you know, that's on us. We gotta we gotta work on our tackling, right? For whatever reason, I don't know if it's an NFL thing or if it's just a Rams thing, but I am seeing more and more players trying to launch themselves at at these ball carriers. And oftentimes they're not even head on. They're like trying to launch themselves at the ball side to get a to get a turnover or something like that. So I mean, there's a time for that and so forth, but I, I that to me is one of the more frustrating things that I'm seeing. And it's pervasive across the entire team. It's very frustrating. And you saw that with Goddard, yeah. right? The right from the beginning of the game, Eagles. Listen, the Eagles, they had the Rams number. They they had them game plan fairly well. Right from the from from jump. They were like big tight end. Let's get him in the secondary, get him the ball. They couldn't tackle him. They could not tackle him. Right. And I think Goddard really was a dominant force in that game. It really, really was. He had, you know, um, he he was so underutilized in in a, a, the um, in a preview podcast that I did on on with the Eagles uh, beat writer. Uh, he was talking about how Goddard hadn't broken out yet. I think I believe, and you know, correct. I, I apologize if this isn't exactly right, but I think he said he had 13 receptions through five games or through four games, and so um, he had you know, eight against the Rams, eight yeah, for yeah, one seventeen, yeah, yeah, and, and he almost doubled. So. Yeah, so they hadn't gotten gotten Goddard, Goddard and then and then uh, Jalen Hurts is running. Um, oh. It was was also something that was you know kind of missing for, for the Eagles and and why they hadn't been blowing people out. Well, those were the two things that they talked about. But uh, yeah, so Goddard, you're right. They 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 said, hey, this is the week we're going to get him involved. And and boy, did he! He was definitely the offensive yeah. kind of player of the game. Sean Mathis too was guilty of. I mean, Sean Mathis twice was unable to bring down Jalen Hurts. And one in a critical uh, yeah. period of the game, they actually took him off the field. They took Sean Mathis off the field after it because he blew that tackle uh, late in the fourth quarter on Jalen Hurts. So, yeah, I mean, Tom, you bring up a good point. You know, the physicality aspect of it, you, you can't use youth as an excuse. And we said that in our podcast way, way back when we, you know, Tom, myself, and Mark, we were like, listen, you know, in, in my opinion, this season is on the coaches. How well they can get these players ready, how well they can get these players fundamentally sound. Um, Ian, like we've been talking about, get that football IQ to a point where in key situations they can make the most basic plays, know. you know, keeping a player in the pocket. But, you know, listen, the other thing, too, is the Rams have played running quarterbacks. Now, this is going to be what? The third week in a row with a running quarterback. Yes. Right. We've had R Richardson hurts. Now we got Dobbs. Right. So you listen, it's not it's a it's a string where listen, you're gonna get exploited again. You better I hope this week they go back to like, you know, let let's you know, let's sharpen up on this, let's be more aware. You got a quarterback that listen, if we can keep him in the pocket, he has shown that he cannot throw the ball consistently, right? But let's not let him get out of the pocket, right? Let's make him do what he's not good at. That's the bottom line. That's the game plan for Ariz you know, against Arizona. Keep Dobbs in the pocket, exploit them, and then on the defensive side of the ball, Arizona has not been good against the pass. The Rams will definitely be able to get their shots at SoFi. You know, unfortunately, the Rams are zero two at SoFi. How does that happen? 
They have to become a dominant force at home. This is another bad trend, Tom. We, you know, they have to be a dominant force at home. You cannot keep doing going over at home. Yeah, you know? I mean, you know, let's let's kind of flip the coin over for a second here. And the teams that we lost to at home are, uh, uh, you know, we lost to we lost to the Eagles and we lost to the 49ers. And um, uh, you know, the, the, we beat the Colts and the and the Seahawks on the road. Um, lost to the Bengals. So three three teams that were all high playoff caliber teams last year. Um, Bengals had a little bit of a rough start, but they're they're going to bounce back. So those are some pretty tough teams, you know, from a competition's perspective. And, and, then, and Tom, and Tom, real quick, real quick. Yeah. While, while we're diving into this opponent thing at home and who we played. I uh, I was on Jake Ellenbogen's show. I saw him. I think you know that from the downtown Rams days. And who you know who that is, Jake Ellenbogen. Yeah, Jake's and great. And um, this is right after the game, a post game. I had thoughts. We shared about their schematics, what I saw. And obviously, I didn't look at the film yet. So I'm just, you know, with my own two eyes, how I felt. And something that I brought up that luckily, I, th- I don't know if everyone else felt this way or maybe they heard me. Maybe it was a combo of the two. Maybe it was one or the other. I'm just tired of being outnumbered against these big <laughs> national broadcasts in the fans. I'm tired of it. I'm so tired of it. And I get it. The Eagles fan base travels well. I get it. 49ers fan base travels well. The Steelers, it's probably going to be the same thing in a week and some yeah, change. Probably, Sadly, yeah. I'll be there and I'll be pissed off with that again, but so be it. I'll be there supporting. And I called everybody out who was listening to that show. It was over like four or 500 people throughout that whole time and have listened back. I was like, if you live in Los Angeles, in this area, Southern California, you need to get your ass out there to a game against these big time national powers, Cowboys, Raiders, Eagles, Niners, Steelers, whoever else you consider. Stop going to the games against Arizona for $30. We need you at these games, these big time powerhouse games that, matter and show whether the rams are good or not we need fans there so that was something that pissed me off to the football standpoint of that though it totally affects our team anyone would be crazy to think that that is not a contributing factor into performance in some form or another i'm not saying stafford can't play quarterback because eagles fans or other fan bases are cheering loud but let's not act like that doesn't affect him in some form or another doesn't affect the team in some form or another with confidence with okay well we're going to another home game against the national power is going to be a lot of opposing fan bases talking you know what and we're going to have to go on more silent count i can't do my turbo set hut times yeah, five right. to get somebody offside we got to go kevin dotson you know arm out in front of the center silent count it affects it affects the team and it's something that's i'm just tired of i'm tired of since 2016 but again this is only against national powers of fan bases. I'm not talking about when Cleveland comes here or when the Seahawks are oh, here. Oh, the Browns fans are storming yeah. now. <laughs> Maybe they hear me and they say, we'll show that guy. But, <laughs> yeah, we'll show that guy. But, like, yeah, but just, it is, it is, it's, it's it just is against these powers see. that I've seen or they've, they've come here. It's been an issue. And yeah. these are the games that we lose because crowd opposing crowd noise is a real fact. It it truly, truly is. I just – so when you uh, talk about news, that, uh, it just brought that sour memory to my brain. Yeah, he is going down the gauntlet, Ram Nation. Obviously, with a nine, you got to be there, man. Hey, got to show know, up to games. The Rams. Uh, I've said this, you know, and, and several times, but the, you know, it's essentially a, a, you know, almost a 
expansion team environment because so many of the Rams fans bailed when they first moved to Orange County. And as we know, LA and Orange County are, you know, kind of different, different areas of, of oh, yeah. the metropolis. And then, and then of course they bail to St. Louis and then essentially lose most, you know, most, most of the Rams fans in, in the LA area and the Southern California area. And then they're gone for, you know, 20, 20 something years. And then when they come back, they can't even retain their St. Louis fans because of the way they left St. Louis and rightly so it was nasty work and, you know, Conkey and the NFL paid for that. But, um, you know, and now 30, you know, 30 years later, essentially, we're saying, hey, we're back. And, uh, you know, everybody's like, well, uh, we have other teams that we started to root for, yeah. you know. And, and, Tom, and, so- and Tom, I'm no fool to the nuance of it all. The nuance of this, what I just brought up. Look, at, I'm 27 years old. I was born in 1995. Team was gone majority of my whole life, almost up until 2016, obviously. And all my closest friends, none of them are Rams fans. I have a lot of good friends I would consider best friends. Cowboys, Raiders, Eagles, Broncos. Some of them are family affiliation, clearly with, with uh, geography and somewhere. What are the parents like? And there's a lot of factors. But nobody grew up. Nobody. I can name 15 of my closest best friends. None of them are Rams fans. <laughs> yeah. Zero. It's, Zero. You kind of so, have to stumble on them from another, you know, you know, for another Tom, reason. Hey, Tom, it's not going to sting Ian in <laughs> at the Pittsburgh game. When he sees that, the world could sting us because we know Jerome Bettis started with us. The yeah, bus rolled with LA first, yeah. buddy. That's yeah, right. so yeah, the Steelers game was going to be another another nasty situation. Yeah. yeah, but it's so rare. I mean, just to just to kind of put a punctuation mark on your on your point, Ian. It's how many times do you see a game where both teams are using a silent count? Yeah, like it's, it's that's it's. I mean, it's 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 very rare. It kind of jumps out at you, even as a you know. If, I think a, a, even a, a sort of a you know just a layman would say wait what why is that lineman keep why do the linemen on both sides keep sticking their sticking their hand out and um yeah it's, a, it's an interesting situation but yeah so you know just to just to kind of continue on the the flip side on the positive um mm-hmm. i mean we knew coming into the season especially on the defensive side of the ball that there was enormous turnover you know i kind of f- pulled up this stat figured out this stat that that only two Rams uh, played more than 50 on the defensive side of the ball starters on the Rams this year played more than 50% of the snaps last year. And so, and actually it's the same thing on the offensive side of the ball, believe it or not, it just, there was just a lot more guys that were injured there that returned. um, Whereas there's a lot more turnover on the defensive side, but, but if you really look at it, this is kind of a, you know, let's let the fort, let's let all the young guys play and see how it goes and coach them up and, you know, let them just go in there and throw them to the fire, so to speak. And, and I mean, I think from a, you know, that perspective, they come out extremely well. I mean, Jordan Fuller coming off injuries, we haven't even heard his name at all. The guy has not done, you know, he's been a, he's been very solid. Ernest Jones is, is a, an emerging superstar as we Rams fans know. And now other teams, as I do these preview crossover podcasts, everyone knows now Ernest Jones is obviously Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. Witherspoon's getting um, some some you know uh, recognition, um, kind of pulling him off the veteran scrap heap. But in terms of the rook, in terms of the the young guys, first and second year guys, Yeast is playing well. Kendrick, you know, he's having his troubles, right? We 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 have to acknowledge that. Durant, uh, Byron Young, Kobe Turner, like all these guys are playing like extremely. We don't have any busts in the in that group, if you will. Um, you know, even Christian Roseboom is, you know, just just coming off the the multi-year special teams 
crew and and playing pretty well. And you know, people watching the games and stuff. Who's the long-haired guy? He's playing. He's good. <laughs> so you know. Uh, so anyway, I, I feel like there's a lot of positives. If if we if we grade this team from the perspective of what we have the last six years of, of expectations for uh, to contend for a Super Bowl, which has really been, you know, how we've been programmed and, and rightly so um, with the expectations. Uh, this year is very different. That's my take on it. And, uh, um, you know, I've spoken to that many times. And, and so from that perspective of, of assessing these young players, I, I couldn't be happier. I certainly thrilled with the, how healthy with the, the team is uh, obviously last Bobby Brown um, was our first real, um, you know, long, you know, sort of a, a, you know, first guy that went down this year so far. And we'll see how that affects the uh, the interior defensive line. But, um, yeah, so I think it's a, you know, there's a lot of positives to look at as well. Um, you know, that it, it is unfortunate that with all how well, you know, all things considered, these players are playing, that essentially the biggest criticism is on the coaching staff, which is yep. – you know, and it's play calling and it's not coaching guys up to, to wrap up. And, you know, there's some some basic, uh, uh, you know, issues with the coaching staff. And, you know, that's where I think a lot of the the criticism lands. So, uh, yeah, Tom, coaching and Paul, co- coaching has cost us two wins. It's it's obvious. The, ba- the, it's, Bengals, it's, the Bengals game was totally thrown away by coaching. Yeah. Uh, 100%. This Eagles yeah, I mean, game the, was winnable coaching yeah. as well. I, in my opinion. So it's yeah, like, Alaric, we could, you know, it's uh, the, the sad thing about that Bengals game is we could have put that team away for the season. The first half. They, yeah. yeah. And, and we could have put that team away, you know, and they would have been done if they had yeah. lost that game. And, and uh, you know, I'm not, you know, anti Bengals or anything, but you know, that's what you want to do when a team is down and reeling like that Burroughs reeling and immobile, you want to, put your foot on the you know, proverbial neck. And, and then I'll tell you what, though, that was a little unfortunate, even as poorly as the game was called and the decisions that were made. If Alaric Jackson doesn't go down, which was unfortunate, that game would have still been won. And so, you know, even the team has theoretically been this close to overcoming some of these coaching deficiencies, even in the Eagles game, if, if Stafford can connect with Tutu or Stafford can connect with Cup, those games could have been, um, you know, competitive to the end. So, it, you know, it, there, there are the coaches, the coaching is the problem and they have to fix that stuff. But at the same time, the players are, uh, you know, doing everything that they can to try and overcome it, which is positive. Yeah. Tom, I mean, guys, I was one of those people in preseason that had, or before preseason leading into the season, based on all the moves that happened and didn't happen. Right. In terms of personnel who was who was <laughs> traded away, let go, and who was brought in, I was like, "Well, hey man, this takes a season or two for this thing to turn around and be a, a good team again." Then so be it. Because enjoying the Super Bowl here in LA, that was great. That is all time level fandom enjoyment, right? I mean, shoot. So I was like, "Hey, that's the price to pay." But I think with this team showing that they can be a legitimate good football team. It's like, damn, if this was called a little bit better by Coach McVay, if this was called better by Coach Raheem Morris, my goodness, like I said, we'd have two more wins. And I just think, I just think if we can just settle down as a staff, I'm talking like I'm in the room, but we can settle down as a staff and just say, hey, guys, we have this group 
We've built, like what Paul said earlier, we built the old line to smash people in the mouth. For anyone out there who doesn't know, linemen like to attack, not react. And I mean attack like run block. And I mean react and reacting to somebody attacking you in pass rushing situations. Every lineman, no matter how good or bad they are in either or in those styles of play, linemen like to hit and deliver the blow. Let's do that. And I think I know we're ramble, I'm rambling on about the run game. And, and next time I'm with you guys, I'm going to wear my run the damn football shirt in blue and gold. I have that, by the right. way. I should have worn it today. But it's just if we can do that we have a great chance to make the tournament at the end of the year, this playoff tournament. And there's, there's an element of psychology to that as well. When you run the ball, yeah. right. And there really is. It really is. Like if you get run on, it really wears you out physically. Right. And when we start talking about performance in the third and fourth quarter, well, think about it, you know, like Robert Wood said it best. If you're the hammer or the nail, it's going to show up in the third or fourth quarter. If you're the nail, it's going to show up in the third or fourth quarter. If you're the hammer, it's going to show up in the third or fourth quarter. So going into like sort of the, you know, the McVeigh tendency of, of, you know, of running it um, sparingly, but that's okay. But, you know, establish the run, establish it. And if you want to move away from that's okay, but establish it. So that way you can wear some of this, uh, the defense out a little bit. You know, and you had mentioned Jordan Fuller. Jordan Fuller's been quiet, but he had a nice game against Philly. He really did. And I'm calling it. I think within the next two or three games, Jordan Fuller picks one off. He had a nice game. He might be, you know, you know, getting back to his uh, regular self again. Um, I was watching him in, in the Eagles game and specifically, and he looked good. He looked good. His, you know, he was running around, throwing the body again. He was much more physical. But I, I really think the Rams right now are really struggling with what is our identity? You know what? I think in that 2021 season, right, the Rams had an identity. They really did in the playoffs. They really did. Even though we were limited, think about that for a second. We all watched the same games. The Rams had an identity for what it was, right? And we knew who they were. They knew who they were. They had a personality. I challenge you to tell me what you think, both of you, in your opinion. What's their identity? What's their what's their thing? You know, what's their niche? Tell me. It's yeah, sort I mean, of like I think, I think on the defensive side of the ball, the personnel is very different than that year. <laughs> and so the man's identity on a defensive side of the ball in 2021 is is, you know, it's it was frustrating for us to watch a lot of the year. It was a it was a kind of that too high shell. And, you know, the identity was really twofold, lemon explosives and get home with four. And and um, and if they could do that, put pressure on guys and drop a bunch of guys into the uh, into coverage, good things can happen. Yeah, guy, you know, you're going to give up a lot of third downs in the past plays. So it was frustrating to watch. But at the end of the day, if, if we also knew that we could score, you know, outscore them, if we if we held that the stat is if we held teams to. 24 points or fewer we won every game because we knew we could score more than 24 and so um you know a lot of teams can't give up 24 and win every game but the rams could if we gave up more than 24 actually we lost every game believe it or not so uh yeah so um that was the identity that year now this year with these edges you know byron young love the guy he's a rook he's learning hoyt disaster can't get either he can get good pressure actually believe it or not 
But when he gets pressure, it has to be inside. And then he gives up the outside and gives up contain over and over and over again. And so he can't do both. He just doesn't know how to do both. So, because by, like, as you said, he's an interior defensive lineman. So, like, we're not going to get home with four. That's why they're, you know, blitzing like 25% of the time, which is the max for the McVay era. And when you do that, these good quarterbacks that we face are going to, are going to eat you alive. So, um, yeah, there's really no way to create an identity on the defensive side of the ball with our personnel. Unfortunately, we have to sort of just play it at, play it out, play it as is. And, um, I think the one thing we could do is, you know, try and give up fewer uh, explosives because we are, and that does come down to things we've already talked about tackling and, um, not putting defensive linemen on, uh, tight ends and things like that, you know, some basic stuff. So, um, but anyway, on the offensive side of the ball, our identity is passing, <laughs> you know, and, and that's like you've, we've already mentioned. Um, it's not working. Teams have adjusted. They're teeing off second half. Um, the defensive linemen are getting tired because they're backing up. Like you said, they're not going forward. You know, they're being the, the nail, not the hammer. And uh, so, I mean, that's the identity. That's not what the intended identity is, but that's, that is what, that, that's where we're kind of where we're at. Uh, I think you're on mute, Paul. Go ahead, Ian. Uh, yeah, what's our identity? I think uh, on offense, yeah, it's just throw it in it's Stafford's arm, and that's it. <laughs> but it's what what can Matthew <laughs> what can Matthew Stafford do for the Rams? That's the identity. I really. think it's a great that, that is called, that is about summing it up. Yeah, you, you know, it's like what you can said in you said in four seconds what I said in, <laughs> in uh, five minutes. So and I know I, I've gone on soliloquies in this pod already about the passing <laughs> game and all that. So that's really it. And then defensively, I just think it's 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 match zone. That is the identity of the Rams defense. It's play good match zone, and let's hope that Aaron Donald will score some sacks. It's really it, honestly. So it's Matt Zone and Aaron Donald, and it's what can Matthew Stafford do for the Rams? <laughs> that's that's really it. Uh, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of a lot of youngsters for sure. So, um, well, let's move forward here to our matchup against the uh, Cardinals here in Week Six at home. Yeah. Um, Cardinals are a uh, seven. We're a seven point favorite over the Cardinals, mm. and um, they yeah. are. Uh, they are, there is no Kyler Murray. There is no James Connor. There is no Buddha Baker. There is no Jalen Thompson. And instead we have Joshua Dobbs, Keontae Ingram and Amari DiMicardo, Quinn Trez Knight and, and so forth. So, um, you know, I, I am, I, Anyway, I I think the Rams are poised to if if do if, if they do the things that we all talked about today, commit to the run, have a balanced game plan, don't go for the the, the kill, you know, right away, and um, I, I think that they could uh, you know have a very strong game against Arizona. But um, I just wanted to hear you guys' breakdown on this game, what you uh, what you expect from the Cardinals specifically, given the deteriorated. Uh, uh, personnel groupings and um and then also maybe just a little thoughts on you know how surprising they've been in terms of i mean the record doesn't show it at one and four but how hard they've played and that culture shift they've had with you know with uh, austin fort and gammon coming in and um 
it's kind of uh you know it's it's nice to see not from a competitors or a you know a, a in division right you know perspective but uh it is nice to see a team you know get out of the the doldrums that they were in um you know with uh kind in King, kingsbury yeah go ahead paul yeah i think uh so i think you're right i think even though they're division rivals we always want to be in a quality division right i think in the uh i think t- that's just my opinion. Even though they're rivals, you always want to be in a quality division, right? So, you know, despite you know the rivalry and everything, we we appreciate the fact the Niners are in our division. We appreciate the fact Seattle's there, and you know when they're when everyone's competitive, I just think it's it's better football, right? That's how you your team ascends to a higher level in terms of the quality of its play based on the competition that you play. So, I think the division really does help the team like you know like a rams or whoever right play better and i think that 2021 season because we had a competitive division i think it really helped the the team i think the team really rose to the occasion come playoff time um for the arizonas i think arizona is extremely vulnerable in multiple arenas right the injury front like you said there's just a laundry list of injuries there um but i think what's going to be interesting in this game for me this is the only thing I care about. I want to see from the first snap of the game to the last snap of the game, a game plan executed with efficiency. That's all I care about. That's all I care about. What is the game plan on both sides of the ball, third phase as well, special team, but what a game plan from beginning to end executed well. And I think the Rams sort of got away from that last week and in the indie game. They were doing a pretty decent job of that, but against the Indy, started to sort of see that. And it's, it's not coincidental that both second halves were horrendous offensively for the Rams, right? Against India, look at what happened. Um, so I think, you know, get them back, back on the rails again. You know, this is a very good offense. Theoretically, this can be a very, very good offense for the Rams. Um, so I think they just have to get back to the basics. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, staff. K-I-S-S. Keep it simple. This is this is a team that's hurt. This is a team that's vulnerable. Take advantage of them. Put them away early. Right, Ian? What did we say last week? Deliver the knockout blow when you get the chance. Yep. Step on the neck early. Finish yep. this one. Let's go home with a W. That's what yeah. they need to do. Yeah. I just think I think what the Rams need to do is just run the run the damn football. Listen. <laughs> The stats, the stats back it up. The film backs it up. I mean, we can go on and on. I think if they do that, they win this game pretty comfortably. But I will say, though, I am a tad worried about Josh Dobbs. And I know people are like, oh, he's a backup quarterback. He ain't playing like one. He's, he's, like playing. he's yep. playing fantastic football. And is he perfect? Does he have flaws? No, he is not perfect. And yes, he does have flaws. But I think if we dilly-dally in this game defensively, like we think that they're some sucky offense, which they're not. This isn't the Kingsbury rudimentary spread offense. This is a complex multiple offense where Josh Dobbs is accurate in the pocket and outside. Not all the time, but he can punish you in with his arm. And I think if we dilly-dally in this game, I'm extremely worried about this being a loss. I really am. This game is a must-win, from in my eyes. A so must you, you win. see it like a trap game almost? 
I, I see it as a, I mean, sure, but I see it as like a tough, like if we just think, oh, the Cardinals are, we beat them 12 out of 14 right, times right. since McVay has been here. We're going to take another L. Because think about it last year, guys, when they came into the stadium with Colt McCoy and whooped our you-know-whats. We thought that game was going to be a piece of cake, and we got smacked. And that was before everyone was getting hurt, too, by the way. You so, know who plays well against the Cardinals? 99. Oh, I think he has something like sacks in 18 games against the Cardinals. I need that. I need that multi-sack, multi-pressure, yeah, yeah. make life hell game from him because I, I am worried about this game. Division rival, everything I said about Josh Dobbs and the offense being complex, not, you know, spread it out, basic Kyler Murray, Kingsbury style. And the defense, while they aren't perfect, there's moments where they look pretty good, honestly. And yes, yeah. Buda Baker and, and Tom named off the whole list of players not playing, which helps a ton. But Kaiser White's playing good. I mean, Zayvon Collins has done some good things. So this isn't some we're just going to have our way no matter what we call on offense either. We got to come in with a solid game plan and choose our shots when they present themselves. But that will happen so much easier if you run the damn football. So we just got to we got to play like this game is the season backbreaker. If we lose it, everything goes to hell. If we win it, we can do everything that this Rams team wants to do. Win more games. Make the tournament and see what happens. But we lose this game, gentlemen. Two wins in six games, that it's, it can't happen. It can't yeah, happen. I think you would go back to the, you know, the, if you name those teams off, right, instead of just looking at the record. I mean, you look at the Eagles and the 49ers and the Bengals, right? And and played all of those teams very tough, at least, you know, first half wise and, and so forth. And, and a few, you know, balls here, coaching decisions there. And, and some of the, uh, you know, any of those games could have gone the other way. So, you know, though, but on the other hand, I think that Seattle game, um, you know, the, the uh, opener up in Seattle, which I, you know, I was up there for that, that second half, they turned it on. Right. And that's what we need to see. I think we took the Seattle, I think we took the Seahawks by by surprise that game, quite frankly. Yes. And yeah, um, yeah and uh, and kind of you know, and they've they've gotten back on track since. Uh, and then the uh, the Indianapolis game. I mean, I'll be honest, it was snuck out of there with with that win. Um, you know, got to get the ball first in overtime, and and uh, lucky it's not the playoff rule uh, overtime rules, and uh, and so forth. So um, I just feel like. Uh, you know, lost to three excellent teams. To be to be fair, outman probably in all those games, and still were in the games. Um, beat two one one two games that um, you know without quite the personnel. Even though the Seahawks are very good, and Indianapolis is much better than expected, but could have lost that uh, could have lost that Indianapolis game. It could easily be one and four right now. And so, however, my point is this: is that. This with this Arizona game, this is the first game that the Rams are expected to win. We're favored by seven. Everyone expects the Rams to win this game. And if it's a loss, that's it'll be a very different loss than those other three losses. Let's just put it that way. This yeah. is a this is a bottom three, bottom five team. Um, you know, coming into the season, the worst team, maybe with one or two others, but now you know they're playing hard they're with this culture change they're playing very hard they have a bunch of young guys just like the rams do guys like michael wilson and stuff like that who's 
you know, their version. He doesn't have the production, but he's showing, you know, he's a third round pick, not a fifth round pick. And he doesn't have the production that Puka does, but he's showing flashes of, you know, being a really strong number two to Hollywood. And, um, and so, uh, you know, then they have, uh, you know, Rondell Moore and so forth on, on the, at the number three. So good receivers. Josh Dobbs is playing extremely well, really poised for a backup. So, uh, but they are Rams are expected to win this game. Uh, Tom, people are acting like we're just going to smash these fools like like yeah. it, like it's just going to be a piece of cake. I see, I see you the internet talk. I see you Rams fans out there. I hope that's the case. But my goodness, the, everyone just expects this thing to just be a cakewalk. I don't think it's going to be if we don't bring our A game. I really, <laughs> I really sincerely don't. I mean, look and at. That's a team characteristic. I think this game will reveal a very either a very positive team characteristic or a very troubling team characteristic. Certain teams, um, and you know, it happens in every sport. They have a tendency to play down to the competition, and it's something that always irritates me. You know, if you know if your team has that characteristic, and what you know, and what that means, Ram Nation, is you play a good team. You sort of rise to the occasion. You play a bad team. All of a sudden, you play down to their level, as opposed to finding that sort of uh, baseline that you can perform at every single week, right? And these peaks and valleys that we're seeing—that's basically that type of characteristic. So this is a game where the Rams can move away from that. Try to eliminate those peaks and valleys. Try to have a consistent baseline that you can sort of springboard off of. So that you're not always sort of like playing catch up, right? Where you play great, then you play terrible, then you play Kate, because it sort of evens out. And that's why you don't really pull away. And that's why these games are staying close, right? Tom was saying that, you know, if you look, if you look at the second half of the Indy and you look at the second half of this game, that's exactly what's happening. The Rams are not able to pull away because we're seeing these peaks and valleys. This is a nice game where, you know, they can start to work on being consistent for 60 minutes play 60 now the fact that aaron donald's pissed off i think is a good thing about what happened on that play right i think that's a good thing but that's what you want you want your leaders to speak up you want your leaders to model for the young guys hey listen look every you know what i do like about this season and mark i think mark hinted at it last week even when we were talking is that he's like look they're not treating this like a tank season they're playing they're playing hard and I think what's going to happen, I want to see Kobe Durant step up, be more physical, because that's a rep that they're having on him now all around the NFL, yep. that he's soft, right? That you can go right at him. Kendrick's they is like a penalty machine if you go right at him, right? Don't give him space to play that, you know, in that zone. So uh, this is a chance to really break away from some of those negative tendencies. Rams have to find a way to generate a pass rush byron young's wearing that zero dude right now that's not a good number to wear we want you to play like monster zero all right so right now he's wearing that number in a, in a very negative fashion but yeah. we really need him to step up you know the fact that oshan mathis had a had he had a rough game against philly but he's healthy he's back again he's got some size uh van valkenberg you know the rams will play a little bit better against the run hopefully um, and speaking of edge, Paul, real quick, speaking of edge defenders, if, yeah. if, if anyone listening out here who's a part of the group like, hey, the Rams, they're always going to be aggressive in the trade market. Look at all these guys who are available. I seen today 
when uh, Frank Clark got released, all these Rams fans be like, yep, let's get him, let's get him, let's get him. Yeah, right. If we lose this game, there ain't nobody the Rams are going to trade for. This season is going to be lost right. in the eyes of the front office. So you guys, so everyone out there is hoping for moves to be made. We got to keep winning. And only yeah. having two wins through six games, there ain't no trades happening. <laughs> Zero. There is no trade that's going to happen if this team loses this upcoming Sunday. Because if you can't beat a bottom dweller like Tom said, then what are we trading assets for? We need to use those assets to replenish the team to beat bottom dwellers, right? So yeah, I, it's, it's yeah. a big difference. In it's terms a of big. This game, as I said, this game is no, a big, right. big you said, deal. You said must win, and I think I think from that perspective, I mean, just think about this. You know, Sunday after this game, the Rams are either going to be two and six, and um, having lost to Arizona, or the Rams are going to be three and three, and going into the bye in week 10, we'll have three more games, right? We'll have uh, Pittsburgh at home, which is a very beatable team, uh, you know, much more so than a lot of people thought coming into the season. At Dallas, again, they're not the juggernaut. They've been exposed. They lost to this Arizona team. And at Green Bay, another team that has somewhat struggled. So this is, you know, very easily, if we go three and three after this game, could win two of those three games, and you could be, you know, five and four going into the bye and be very, very well positioned to get a little healthy, get some, you know, Bobby Brown back and so forth and, um, and make a run. And so it's, it's just, you're, I mean, I say Bobby Brown back. We're very fortunate, by the way, on the injuries, right? We haven't lost anybody. No boom, I think, made plays questionable for this week. He was limited in practice today. Um, I think he's going to play. I mean, not that, you know, and you have Dotson as a backup, proven backup. And, and Tom, Tom, I, I think Dotson, Tom, real quick, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think Dotson's yeah. got to continue to start. I think he's playing great football. I think he's <laughs> clearly, clearly playing better than Noteboom, what I've seen. Oh, it's, look at that. Look at Ian going on record. All right. I, I think the, the film doesn't lie, gentlemen. I don't care what, I don't care what. I, other people's opinions are. I think if you watch the film, that'll tell you everything you need to know. But that's I, fun. I, but that's yeah. fun, isn't it? Six linemen, right? From going from last year, right now you're having like, all right, best man wins the right guard spot. Isn't yeah. that what the coaches were talking about all off season? Yes, yeah, what were. happened to Akram? Akram won the spot and he didn't I get to play. Right. I don't yeah, think he's he was terrible. Oh yeah, boy, he's <laughs> yeah. And they, if I, they're and yeah, if I see no boom start in front of Dotson this upcoming week, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be pretty upset. I'm be honest. I, I, he, he's he might playing, not start, but yeah, he, I, he it's might possible. Be, he might not be. Uh, he, I think that because he's not fully healthy and he didn't have a full practice, and Dotson played so well, I think he will be um, as a. Uh, I think he will be inactive again. Um, I just want to say this little stat for you guys. I don't know how much PFF carries in your football souls, and some <laughs> some metrics are good, some are. Eh, right. I mean, and this is based off film, so they say, right? And I, what I've seen from Kevin, PFF also agrees. He is the fourth highest rated interior offensive lineman, Kevin Dotson, yeah. through his two starts. Interesting. Yeah. Nope, nope, boom, in every start is the fourth lowest by PFF. Oh, really? The film don't lie. And PFF says the film don't lie either. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just... I just think let's just not screw this up. Do you think we could He's do a pick swap? Well, let's keep the let's keep the train going. Do you think we could do a seventh round? Uh, uh, we could get a six round pick swap 
and and uh, note boom for a seventh or, or a seventh and a you know, do we think we could do a one round pick swap and get rid of no booms contract? I mean, look gosh. at that. Bob's already already shaving away. <laughs> and what, what little we have left in the salary cap, right? Yeah, what more? What other pick swaps could we do? There's Cooper Park in the background. Well, you know, I think what's going to be fun for Ram Nation to watch now is that with Ben Jefferson gone, right? So Ben Sko gets a little bit more burn. Maybe Demarcus Robinson gets a little bit more burn. We know Tutu has emerged. And listen, I'll I'll be the first one to say, man, I was shocked. The man has been living on the jugs machine because look, his hands have been rock solid, you know. So I think the the four the WR four is going to be fun to watch. Who's going to you know emerge and grab that spot? I think that's going to be fun for the Rams. I think the O line continuity, like Ian said, I think that's a good point. You know, let's put maybe continuity ahead of whatever else. Uh, let's see. You know, familiarity, continuity that breeds, you know, performance. Um, defensive side of the ball, it, you know, it's really intriguing is that this pass rush scenario, you know, and, and Tom and uh, we all talked about in the beginning of the season, it was like, where are these sacks going to come from? And they're blitzing, they're blitzing Ernest Jones literally on every other play, trying to find some semblance of a pass rush. So I think that's going to be the telltale sign for the rest of the season on the defense because that secondary is getting exposed only because it's no decent pass rush. If there was a moderately decent pass rush, I think that secondary, those numbers would look not as bad. And they haven't been atrocious, tell you honestly. But I think that's the big thing on defense right now. Now with Bobby Brown going down, Kobe Turner's going to get a lot more burn. So we'll get a chance to really evaluate Kobe Turner and see how that plays out. Um, so I think there's some very interesting things to watch. The next couple of games for Ram Nation, I think, will be worth watching. You know, the physicality in the trenches, I think, is going to be the bottom line for uh, for this game. Really establish that attitude now. Really establish that personality in your team. And, you know, if you're saying we want to go young, well, then, you know what? You got guys like Steve Avila. Man, if you took Steve Avila and gave him a mic, Steve, what do you want to do in the next game? He'd say, I want to crack some heads. That's exactly what he's going to say. You know, Alaric Jackson has been public. He says he wants to run the ball. He wants to crack heads. So I think, you know, you don't have to run it 40 times if you don't want to, Coach McVay. It's okay. We understand. Hey, listen, if I had Puka and Cooper, I don't know if I would run it 40 times every game either. But listen, the bottom line is just win. Learn how to win ugly. Balance football, right? Let your defense rest, play efficiently, right? Know your limitations of your team. Don't allow them to get exposed. Put your team and your players in the best position to win. The Rams definitely have that recipe for success. It's a matter of executing that game plan for 60 minutes. All right, guys, let's wrap this up with some score predictions. Oh, Ian, lead off. What do you what what what's your score prediction for this game? You know, I, I expect uh, like I, like I've stated earlier, I do expect this game to be uncomfortably close and a nail biter. Typical Rams football in twenty twenty three, right? Everything's just stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think uh, I think this game, if if we do win, I expect it to be a twenty eight. 24 finish it's gonna be a close one. Oh wow and it okay. might be and it might be one of two ways it might be we're leading by a large margin and then they might get a garbage time touchdown so the score ends up looking a little bit closer or it's gonna legitimately be close 
all four quarters and we're going to be holding our breath wishing that we could just get away and move on to next week with the with the w so i predict a 28 24 finish you know in that field goal four point range i expect a nail biter just because like i said cardinals offense is not the kingsbury Kyler murray offense everybody they can score points they can move the ball on almost anybody if they're on their game which they have been for majority of the season so far so that's my prediction, and I hope I am wrong. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I'm going to go. Uh, I think the Rams are going to definitely make T.O.P. a uh, point of emphasis this week. I'm going to say I'm going to say they're going to put up 27. I think it's going to be 27. I think I agree with you. I think Arizona is going to put a couple of points up there. I'm going to say a 10-point victory. 27-17, I say Rams. I think it's going to go 27-17 Rams. Gotcha. So we got 28-24, 27-17. I'm going to ex- continue to expand this margin. I, I, I think the Rams uh, put things together, and I think this uh, – I do think Arizona is undermanned, and I don't think this Rams team is in a position to take anybody lightly. Um, given their record and given some of their performances, especially in the second half. So I'm going to go 30 to 16 Rams. Um, you know, one stat that I threw out there on Twitter and so forth, but uh, a lot of people know I, I track, I'm one of these stat geeks that tracks snap counts and stuff, but the, uh, the Rams had 80 offensive or 80 or 80 or more offensive snaps in three of their first four games. Um, including against San Francisco and uh, and they never had 80 uh, offensive snaps at all last year. And they only had in the seventies once. So you talk about time of possession and snap, you know, wow. offensive snap counts are pretty similar. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's an interesting, um, interesting set. So, you know, they, they, you know, then they dropped into the fifties that are other, the other games, which is crazy. So, They've had a very, you know, very different, you know, tale of two lives on offense in these games. So um, I expect them to control the ball, get back to the time of, of possession, like Paula talked about, and uh, and really control this game and and kind of have a comfortable win. So uh, that's the first time I predicted that this year, but um, I really expect that. Uh, and if they don't, uh, quite frankly, you know, the coaching staff is is yeah. On them, it's they're already on. They're already on notice at this point in time. They're they're going to get crushed, and uh, there's a, there's no excuses. These aren't. This is not a quality roster. You know, sure enough, they're playing hard as can be. Don't you know? No, you know, to their credit, they <laughs> beat the Cowboys, and you know, good for them. But at the same time, they're not going to send in a horde of people like you talked about, Ian and. Stafford's not going to be on a silent count. Um, they have a bunch of injuries. Be. Yeah, they have a undermanned rosters, and their three best players are probably not even – their three best players aren't even playing. So yeah, the Rams need to control this game, and if they don't, it's uh, it's going to be uh, very unfortunate for this coaching staff. Oof. All right, guys. Well, let's wrap it up there. Uh, thanks for your time. Great show. Look forward to, uh, you know, next week in the aftermath. We'll see what happens. And uh, hopefully a lot of these things, the Rams are going to wrap up when they tackle. They're going to run the (laughs) 
effing ball in, right? They're gonna, uh, guys, yeah. I want to say nice things 24-7, but I got to yeah. keep it real. And I got to say yeah, things. We're not going to have defensive linemen guarding, you know, tight ends. Um, we're not going to give up explosives. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get God. some pressure. Everything's this is a get right game. Everything's going to be yeah. all fantastic, uh, you know, all roses, um, three and three, and uh, looking to make a playoff run. It'll be all different next week. So, uh, anyway, hopefully, cross our fingers. <laughs> all right, guys, let's sign off. Thanks again, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. All right, blue and soul forever. Yes, sir. Go Rams and show up to the Rams house, everybody. I expect to see you there. <laughs>